Well, good morning. It's great to see you all here. We're continuing in our study of Isaiah by looking at Isaiah 40 today. And Isaiah 40 starts with the word comfort. So we're going to talk about the word comfort for a little while, which means you can settle back into your chair and relax a little bit because we're going to talk about comfort and comfortable, being comfortable. What's the difference between comfort and being comfortable? We all know about comfort foods, right? There's a whole like slew of restaurants that are built up around comfort foods. Uh, one of my great loves as a comfort food, a food that I love to eat because it makes me feel really good, is this beautiful thing that Jesse's going to put on the screen for us. This is queso. Now, when I moved to the Pacific Northwest 15 years ago, I went to a Mexican restaurant and I ordered queso. And the guy looked at me and said, I'm sorry, what are you talking about? And I wanted to cry and get back on a plane and fly back to Texas. This is a beautiful thing, and all it is is Velveeta cheese, Rotel tomatoes, and if you like a little bit of spice, some red pepper flakes. That's it. And human civilization has never found a greater source of comfort. So you want to go home and blow up the next cocktail party or the holiday party you're having, make some queso. You got your recipe from your pastor. It must be good. I'd like for you to take just a sec and turn to the person next to you or someone near you and just share very briefly one comfort food or a comfort drink we're being a little vulnerable because we're saying things that we really shouldn't eat, but we like eating. So share one comfort food with somebody next to you, please. What's your favorite comfort food? All right. Did anyone else pick queso? I mean, that's, that's me. Uh, other things that made uh, my list, uh, coffee cake, pecan pie with Cairo corn syrup, chicken and waffles. Anybody love fried chicken and waffles? The sweet and the savory. Oh, my gosh. Uh, there's a Mexican hot chocolate called Abuelita. Does anybody know Abuelita? It's so good, right? Like, it's a chunk of chocolate. You throw it in the blender, pour hot milk over it. It's incredible. Now, these things are comfort foods because what? They make us feel, what class? Comfortable. Can you say that with me? Comfortable. We love our comfort foods not because they nourish us. If I built my life around queso, you would have to roll me places. Like, this would not be good for me. But comfort is different. Comfortable is a feeling. Comfort in the scriptures is a verb. It is a verb, and it's the beginning of our passage, and it's so important. We're going to look at why this is important in Israel's history and what it means for us today. There's an outline in your bulletin if you'd like to be taking some notes. We're going to talk about why the word comfort is different than a feeling. The word comfort, if you're a definitions person, you want to write down a definition. To comfort, according to one of the dictionaries I read, is to provide strength and hope to another. Isn't that an interesting definition? Not being comfortable to comfort someone. If I comforted Brian, I would come beside Brian and I would provide strength and hope to him in a time of need. I would provide strength and hope to somebody else. The implication, the key here, you guys, is that we cannot provide comfort, strength, hope for ourselves. We run out of space so quickly if we're trying to strengthen ourselves, if we're trying to bring hope into our own lives. Let me give you an example. I can tell myself all day long that I'm a good guy. I'm a good husband. I'm a good father. I'm a halfway decent pastor. I can tell myself all these things. I can write little notes to myself, stick them up around my office. Good job, Travis. Way to go, Travis. How limited is that? Extremely limited because I'm just hearing it through one voice. 
This past Thursday, my wife and I celebrated our anniversary, 10 years, which is pretty fun. There are many that have been going way longer, but we're grateful for 10. And one of my love languages is words of affirmation, and so I received some very kind words from my wife. Do you know how much more of a difference that made in my heart to read her words than to just tell myself stuff? How much more of a difference does it make to you to receive comfort, strength, hope from someone else? It is actually effectual when it comes from outside of ourselves. If we just bring ourselves into greater places of strength, I'm going I'm to get myself pumped up for this. We are so limited. We must have strength and hope from another. And that's what our scriptures are about, and that is one of the key thoughts I want us to hold in our minds today. Hope and strength have to come from somewhere else, church. And in our world, in our aching, hurting world, people are looking to us, in our brokenness, and in our pain, and in our shortcomings, and saying, you know something. And what the scriptures are going to say to us today is, actually, we know somebody who is the source of our strength and our hope. So, If you're a thesis person, here's the thesis. The Messiah brings comfort, strength, and hope to the whole world. And he's looking at us to be his servants. Messiah brings comfort to the whole world. So let's look at where this comes into play. I'm going into point one here on your outline. We're going to talk about history for a minute. All you history buffs, get excited. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 40. If you don't have a Bible, there's a couple on the back table. You're welcome to take one. You can also get out your phone and be on your Bible app if you'd like. And I just invite you to listen with me now to the scripture we heard read a moment ago. Just a reminder, this is verses 1 and 2 of Isaiah 40. Comfort, O comfort my people, says your God. Not comfortable, comfort, the verb. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. We'll talk more about what that means in a moment. Cry to her that she has served her term, her penalty has been paid, she's received from the Lord's hand, double for all her sins. Comfort, comfort, comfort. Why would the people of Israel needed to have heard a message of comfort? Most scholars believe that this time period around when Isaiah was writing this stuff down happened in a period of time in Israel's history that was especially rough. Now, if you know a little bit about Israel or about the history of the Bible, and some of us may, some of us may not, Israel's history is just like a roller coaster. I mean, they were in with God. They had a great, you know, experience with him leading them, and they're worshiping him. Yes, God, we're behind you. This is so great. And then it all falls apart. I mean, there's just this roller coaster ride of their history. Slavery and captivity and war and famine and death and triumph. And then slavery all over again. In this moment, most scholars believe that the people of Israel were in captivity. Very important date in the history of Israel, 586 BC. The Babylonians marched into Jerusalem, the holy city, the place that they should have belonged and felt the safest. Imagine the place that you feel the safest in your life right now. And an army of people that don't look like you and don't talk like you marched in and took you right out. They were taken out of the promised land, the land that God had said to them, this is the land flowing with milk and honey, this is where you belong, this is where I'm going to provide for you. They were torn from that land, taken into Babylon as slaves and foreigners. And they had been warned that this would happen. They had been told by their leaders, Moses, many others, this will happen. Why? If you turn away from God. If you 
Give your hearts to somebody else. Deuteronomy 28, there's this great moment when Moses is with the people. Remember, he never gets to enter into the promised land. He gets on the precipice. He gets to see it, but he never gets to go in. And he offers them this warning in Deuteronomy 28. The Lord will hand you over defeated to your enemies. If you do not follow him, you will be looking for a savior elsewhere and you will not find it, Israel. And did they listen? No. And do we? No. Anybody feel like 2018 for you was a year of coming up on the precipice, you're diving into this new thing, a new job, a new house, a new station in life, you're entering into retirement, and you just found it wasn't there. It wasn't what you wanted, it wasn't as satisfying as you thought you might, you were looking at the Dow and you were reaching for the Maylocks at the same time, your kids struggled at school, your friends ditched you. Friends, this is the story of the nation of Israel, this is the story of people. This is what we have faced. You may have had a glorious year. You may be hard-pressed to kind of find things that were tough about your year. But I think for most of us, there were moments of great difficulty in this last year. And part of the point I want to make here is the history of Israel so helps us with our history. The people of Israel, God's family, God looked at them and said, hey, you're not the strongest, you're not the brightest, you're not the greatest, but I have chosen you. He looks at us in love and he says, so have I chosen you. And even though... Their lives were a mess. He stayed with them. They had history with God. And in this moment, their history needs to be a history of comfort. They need to receive something from God. Are you feeling some of that today, church? That there's this, this want, this longing. You got your Christmas shopping done. You got the house all ready. You've already got the turkey ready to go into the oven. Like Things are dialed, but you're still searching. You're still wondering, is this really enough? Did I, did I do it right? Did I, did I earn it? I had a friend tell me this week that over many, many years of hosting parties and events in their home, this friend said, I feel like I have to earn Christmas. Like I got to get it just right, just tweaked perfectly, and then I can really enjoy it. She's not alone. Do you feel that way today? If you do, are you wondering, where is Jesus in all of this? Where is he? Will he really satisfy? Because all the stuff I'm trying to do right now, it is not satisfying to me. This is one of the issues that drives so many in our world. And when we in the church are able to look back at our history and go, no, God was faithful. God brought comfort. The people were in distress and he did not leave them hanging. No matter what we face, what our neighbors face, the brokenness that they may bring, and we hear it and we come into close contact with it, we can be a people of comfort. There's a friend that kind of works in the same office building as I do. Uh, the, our church rents a little bit of office space in this larger building, and so you see people, you know, at the water cooler, at the coffee, or whatever. And so I was talking to one of these people this week, and I said, hey, I, you've never come to my church. I'd love for you to come on Christmas Eve. And uh, this person I've gotten to know a little bit, and so I know a little bit of their story. And he said, yeah, thanks, you know, I'm out of town. I really appreciate the offer. He said, you wouldn't want me at your church anyways. I said, What? What do you mean? And I know a little bit of his story, and I think he really believes that. I think he believes his track record, his history, the things that he has done in his past, the fact that he walked away from the faith tradition that he grew up in and now really isn't part of any tradition. What he was saying to me was, I don't belong in your church. I don't belong there. My history has precluded me from participation. My history's too much. Those are our neighbors. Those are our friends. Those are people that we walk beside every single day. And they say, ah, yeah, you got your Jesus thing, but I don't, 
I don't need to be there. Doesn't your heart break to feel that, to hear that? I mean, he said this to me, and I just went and sat down in my office, and I wanted to cry. Like, what? Like, you wouldn't feel like you belong. But here's the thing, and I was reminded of this by one of our other teaching pastors this week. He's actually right. Because we're not enough. We're not good enough to deserve to be here. We haven't earned this place. Our history should preclude us from every iota of participation in what God is doing. But thank God it's not about that. Thank God it's not about you and I getting our religious T's and I's crossed and dotted. Thank God it is not about performance. So relax. Stop vacillating between shame when you fail and pride when you do the right thing. Get on the ground of this acceptance that God offers to us, that he offered to Israel. If only they would listen. If only we would listen, church to the comfort that the Savior wants us to bring, like to my friend at the office, to the people that you're going to work with or that you're going to see at school or that you're going to come beside in the week ahead. You are a people of comfort. Will we bring that to the people who most need to hear it this week by receiving it first in our hearts? So that's history. Now let's talk about a new chapter. This is part two. Israel's up and down, roller coaster ride, hoping for comfort, waiting for the comforter, not comfortable by any means. Now let's talk about how this word comfort could have landed for them. The Hebrew word comfort is used twice at the start of verse 1. Comfort, oh comfort my people. Why would it do that? Why would the prophet write it that way? Whenever we see see a word repeated like this in particular in the scriptures, it doubles the impact. It's like putting an exponent on a number. It raises the power and the impact of that word. So what, if we're using our definition of comfort from earlier, strength and hope from another, what could have brought not just comfort, but double comfort, exponential comfort to the people? This is Messiah. This is not being written out in exact words, but this is who Messiah is. This is someone who actually has the power to change others. The literal translation of that word comfort in the Old Testament is nagam, and it means repent or change or console or experience sympathy. And I want to just illustrate what this means by looking at three really quick examples from the Old Testament. So in Genesis chapter 50, end of the first book of the Old Testament, this is the story of Joseph and his family. You remember Joseph was sold off into slavery by his brothers, incredible betrayal, He is brought down as low as he can go, and then he's raised up to a position of leadership in Egypt. There's a famine in Israel. His brothers come to him. They're in need, and he has every opportunity to just drive them into the ground. He has every opportunity to crush them. And instead, he says this to them. This is Genesis 50, 21. This is another use of that word comfort. Even though, he's addressing his brothers, even though you intended to do harm to me, God intended it for good. Will you say that with me? God intended it for good. Such a good word. In order to preserve a numerous people as he is doing today. So have no fear. I myself will provide for you and your little ones. In this way, here it comes, he, Joseph, comforted. He reassured his brothers by speaking kindly to them. He comforted them. He had the power to provide strength and hope to his brothers who were very much in need. And he had every reason to blow him up, but he chose not to. He chose to be an agent of grace in a moment that didn't demand it of him, but that God led him to that. Maybe that's something you get to confront in the week ahead. Another example of this, Deuteronomy 32, 36. This is kind of in that section when the people of Israel are entering into the promised land. 
The scriptures say this, Indeed, the Lord will vindicate his people, will have compassion, provide comfort for his servants. When he sees that their power is gone, neither bond nor free remaining. This is a promise that I need to hear. This is a promise that you need to hear. Oh, this is really cute. We have wise men walking in our midst and angels. Hello, everybody. Shepherds. Very nice. Love it. Oh, man. Where's my costume? I didn't get a costume. This is the promise of God. That he will provide strength for the broken. So if you are pressing up against the end of the year and you're going, dude, you got a $15,000 problem. I got a much bigger problem. I'm trying to make orders. I'm trying to get stuff done. The end of the quarter is coming up. People are really looking at my numbers right now. If you are feeling that, this promise is for you. Write down Deuteronomy 32, 36. And pray it over those challenges. Pray it over your spreadsheets. Pray it over your coworkers. Receive that strength from Christ so that you know that in those moments, God is not going to let you down. He is providing comfort. Last one, Psalm 23, 4. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they, say it with me, class, comfort me. Your rod and your staff provide strength and hope to me. This is the promise of the shepherd. And if you have a pulse, there's probably some anxiety for you coming into Christmas. Because we all have families, We all have people who are going to show up at our house or we're going to go over to somebody's house and there's going to be difficult discussions. There's going to be gaps. There's going to be avoiding subjects. This is what it means to be human, so you're not alone in that. But the shepherd's promise is that no amount of anxiety, no amount of fear, no amount of consternation about anything that's going to come up for you in the week ahead or the months ahead or the years ahead can possibly stand up against the power of the shepherd and his great love. His rod and his staff, church, they comfort. Remind yourself of that. When you're trying to make a meal for a whole bunch of people and nothing's going right, his rod and his staff, they comfort me. When you're trying to get everything done at work and everyone else has left the office and you're the last woman or the last man there and you're going, what am I doing? His rod and his staff, they comfort me. They provide strength and hope. Jesus used this word in Matthew's gospel. He described the kingdom, and he put this word comfort in there in such a powerful way. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. If you have lived through this year, you've probably experienced some form of mourning. Both my wife and I lost uh, grandmothers this year. My wife lost her mother's mother this year. I lost my dad's mother. We have grieved. We have mourned. And not really did we think very much in those moments like, oh good, blessed are those who mourn. (laughs) I think it's something that you read later and you go, oh yeah, this is the comfort that the Savior gives. That word comfort in the New Testament is actually related to the Holy Spirit. Parakaleo, the, the helper, the one who comes beside. So if you are grieving, if you are mourning, if you are experiencing the loss of someone now as you come up to Christmas, if there's an empty seat at the table, there used to be someone, take comfort in this. You are a person who is in close proximity to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the parakaleo, the comforter, is with those who mourn. So don't look at your mourning and go, oh, it's all bad, nothing good's going to come of this. No, the Holy Spirit is with you. And you are in an incredible place of blessing to receive that. So you want to take these things to heart, you want to try to make this walk and talk in real life, my encouragement, especially in the week ahead, is to make some space. 
to just pause and slow down. The greatest enemy for me in my spiritual life is hurry. Trying to hurry off to the next thing, trying to get on to that. Kids are about to wake up for breakfast, all this kinds of thing. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life, church. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Take those steps this week. Take a minute and just pause. God, you are my comforter and you are my strength. And in this moment, I'm surrendering it to you. I'm turning it over to you. What could that be? It could be at work. It could be as you travel. It could be when you're waiting in line at the airport and you're looking at all those TSA people who are not getting paychecks, who are just waiting. And you're going, Lord, be their comfort and their strength. Be the comfort and strength of our country. Be the comfort and strength of my neighborhood. There are places that we are each called into that only we uniquely can go into and bring this message of comfort. Go do that this week, church. And slow yourself down. Take some time. That's why we did that prayer of confession earlier. So we could slow down and just pause and receive from the Savior. I hope it was helpful to you because it certainly was to me. So we've talked about history. We've talked about what God is doing as he kind of stirs up this calling to comfort. Now we need to talk about what comfort does in our lives. We're actually going to try to receive some words of comfort right now. The text tells us that God will speak tenderly to God's people. Speak tenderly to his people. That word that's behind speak tenderly is actually the Hebrew word for the heart. And many of us probably aren't aware of this, but most of us grew up with this understanding. This comes from the Greek tradition that a person basically is someone who experiences the world through their brain. That's the foundation of modern psychology. How your brain perceives the world is sort of how you enter into it, right? Like, if you feel something or if there's another part of you that's sort of sensing something, it doesn't matter. It's how your brain receives it. The Hebrew understanding of what a person is involves everything. Involves everything about us. So a heart isn't just what you feel. A heart is, how do you think about something? How does your body interact with the world? How does this change you? It's a much more holistic way of thinking about the person. God will speak tenderly to the heart. If you've been thinking about somebody that you would love to be a part of Christmas Eve, that you would love to find faith in Christ in the year ahead, know this, the power of God to speak to the heart is unmatched because he made our hearts. Our, our littlest is about 18 months, 20 months old right now. And so we're watching her learn these new words. And I'm, I, I come up to her and I say, Amelia, where's your heart? And she can kind of start to point there, which is really cute. And what I try to say to her every time is, that's, honey, that's the most important part of you. Church, that is the most important part of you. And our Heavenly Father knows where your hearts are, and he knows how to speak to our hearts, and he knows how to speak to the hearts of people like the guy at my office, and he knows how to speak to your heart in the places of deepest, most broken need right now. And so I'm going to invite Megan to come up here and join me. And she's going to read some words from Isaiah later in this very same chapter. If you'd like to follow along, this is Isaiah 40, 25 through 31. And I just want you to hear these words. I want us to be in this moment in worship where we hear something. We're listening for a phrase. We're listening for a word of comfort for ourselves or for someone else. Hear how the scriptures can speak to the moment that you are in and receive it. And take a note if something really stands out to you. Megan's going to read through this twice. We're going to have a little time to be silent in between. So hear now these great words from Isaiah 40. To whom then will you liken me, that I should be his equal, says the Holy One? 
Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these stars, the one who leads forth their host by number. He calls them all by name. Because of his greatness, because of the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, not one of them is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and assert, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and the justice due to me escapes the notice of my God? Do you not know? Have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth? Does not does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous men, young men, stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. To who then, to whom then will you liken me that I should be his equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these stars, the one who leads forth their hosts by number. He calls them all by name. Because of the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, not one of them is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and assert, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and the justice due to me escapes the notice of my God? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the heavens and the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Megan. I hope that for you, there was something in there that really stood out to you. That uh, passage was actually one that, uh, and is actually one that I use at almost every memorial service that I do. It's amazing how people hear those words and they just lean into that comfort and they lean into that provision of strength and hope from our God. So be encouraged. The scriptures do speak to us and they speak to where we are right now. We are a people who are called to comfort, not to being comfortable, but to serving our God who calls us to be people of strength and to be people of hope, not by manifesting in ourselves, but by drawing from the well that is Christ. Who needs you for strength and comfort? Who more deeply needs Jesus Christ to know that there is strength and comfort beyond their ability? In the week ahead, you may just have some great celebrations and some really fun stuff planned, or you may have a bunch of things on your plate. Wherever you are in that, know that those words are for you. And the Savior, the Shepherd, the one who walks with us in comfort will provide. May we enter into this week and this Christmas season knowing that he is with us and for us. May we receive his words. Strength and comfort, friends. Would you join me as we pray?
Mighty God, we thank you that in coming now to a time of response, we'll get another opportunity to enter into your comfort. There's not a bit of any part of our lives or our histories that has earned us this moment. Instead, it is there by grace. Thank you that your word promises grace and strength. And so through these moments as we sing, as we continue in our time in worship, as our kids get to continue in their worship of you, may your hope, may your comfort dwell richly with us. And may we be a people who are mindful of those around us who need your strength. We love you and we give this time to you. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.